Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. When Biden is flying these people all over the fruited plain in the middle of the night, I didn't hear a peep out of those people. Yeah, and there are plenty of times he's just flying them to fruity kind of places. Don't even have to be parts of the fruited plain. Governor Ron DeSantis. You see, if DeSantis is running a criminal operation, guess what? San Antonio is too. There's a story that hasn't been told. It's about to be, needs to be. Not the first time we've had border shenanigans that have been taking place. Not even necessarily the most egregious situation, which is really stating something. But the real story here is not what happened in Martha's Vineyard. It's what happens every single day in San Antonio. And it's brought to you by none other than your federal government. Hey there, I am Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight I host the Morning Rush WJNO in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mudd Show, WIOD in Miami. It is always truly an honor and a pleasure to uh, be here guest hosting for the great one. You may follow me at Brian Mudd Radio on various social platforms, including Getter, Parler, and Twitter. Let me dive in on my story about two wrongs, not making a right. You know, there is an awful lot that's outrageous regarding our border crisis. I don't know, starting with the actual stinking border crisis. You know, in fact, the border is kind of like the equivalent of having a building manager. Got a building manager, they're responsible for a high rise. It's on fire. The building manager standing out front with residents that are fleeing, running for their lives before this burning building. It's going, guys, what's going on here? Fire? There's no fire here. You see a record 2.494. You've heard statistics just over 2 million. I got updated real-time stuff. A record 2.494. 494 million encounters with border crossers have have occurred over the past year. Happens to be a total that is 35% higher than the previous year's record high. And oh, by the way, comparing to Trump time, we are now 320% above where we were back in 2019. Now, for perspective... You have more migrants that have broached our border over the past 12 months than the entire current population of 15 states. 15 states. But wait, there's more. While supplies last, and there are always more when it comes to illegal immigrants. 
Let's put that in perspective a little bit. Let's say that every resident of New Mexico, everybody in New Mexico said, you know what, we're outing. And they decided they're going to march on Arizona and Texas, uh, demanding refuge. Guess what? If that happened, you are still hundreds of thousands of people short of what's happened throughout this country over just the past year. And to that reality, what is our border czar, the vice president, Kamala Harris, say? Oh, of course, the border is secure. So secure. Community. Oh, wait, that's different. Or another way, what fire? Fire? No fire here. Now, if by secure, she means people who lack any documentation from all over the world, being given a pat on the back, along with a notice to appear, the the always instructive notice to appear at an indeterminate time in the future because our legal system is so overwhelmed, nobody knows when the heck that may ever happen, or if it will anymore. And they just get sent on their way. But anyway, if she were just talking about them, well, she would still be wrong. You see, also according to updated DHS records, a total of over 560,000, or the equivalent of the entire population of Montana, have entered the U.S. over the trailing 12 months, evading law enforcement altogether. You know, the so-called gotaways. So the equivalent of an entire state's population entering the country over the past year, no contact with law enforcement agencies whatsoever. How could that not be secure, right? What could go wrong there? And as for the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, well, in addition to testifying himself before Congress that, yeah, the border is so secure, so under control, just spectacular. You see, he recently did something that flew under the news radar that is outside of officials within San Antonio. In August, Mayorkas traveled to San Antonio for a roundtable in which he happened to praise the city's handling of migrants. Now, what is it that San Antonio just happens to be doing that is just so spectacular, so worthy of being praised? Oh, look at this. They opened a migrant resource center. A migrant resource center. Oh, and and uh, this is a... It, it, Oh, yeah, it's federally funded. Huh. Okay, so we have a federally funded migrant resource center in San Antonio. Now, what does the center do? Citing the intended purpose from the San Antonio report, migrants are now brought directly, directly from the U.S.-Mexico border straight to that center. And what does this center do once it gets them? Now, look at that. It, it feeds them, it shelters them, and it transports migrants seeking asylum. Now, let me just paint a picture for you real quick on some of the details about, the, about Martha's migrants. So, you had Governor DeSantis, who had the state of Florida authorize $12 bucks 
See, the way this thing works, and actually long before you had Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Ducey in Arizona that began the busing of illegals to various sanctuary cities, you go back last November, and as it turned out, the governor busted one of the planes with illegal immigrants being flown into Florida that nobody knew about. This was actually found out by the state November 6th of last year. On November 10th, he went public with it. And when he was pressed by a reporter in a presser, he first made mention of, if he keeps this up, I'm going to bust him to Delaware. Now, one of the things that a lot of folks, including Floridians, have wondered ever since then is, well, why didn't that happen? Why is it that, you know, Texas, Arizona, they've been doing all this? Well, Florida's fiscal year happens to run through June. And we are already in the previous year's fiscal year at the point where he discovered this and made those comments. So he had no authorized money within the state to go ahead and relocate anybody. He asked for $12 million from the state legislature during this year's legislative session. They gave it to him, and that money became available for the first time in July. Okay, so point gets back to the covert middle-of-the-night operations that have been taking place clear across the country, including in this state, long before this happened. Oh, and when he found out that it was taking place last November, what he also determined is it had been going on across the state of Florida since May. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I mean, uh, you've heard and read and whatever stories, oh my gosh, how inhumane, these poor people. I mean... Wouldn't you just feel like uh, you, you were screwed six ways to Sunday if somebody put you on a charter flight and dropped you off the Martha's Vineyard? I mean, who wouldn't think that's that's torture, right? So anyway, here's the deal with these people. The people that were picked up were picked up outside of this migrant resource center. I've seen pictures from this migrant resource center in San Antonio. Migrants, as far as the eye can see, because again, they're just taken directly from the border boom, over into this processing center where they will put them up with often some nonprofits in the area, maybe a hotel here and there, give them a food voucher, and then, oh yeah, package them up and send them on their way. That's right. They ship them out to wherever USA from that migrant resource center in San Antonio, which incidentally, you know what DeSantis actually did? What actually happened here? He had these 48 largely Venezuelan illegal immigrants that volunteered to go along with this trip to Martha's Vineyard. He put them up in a hotel room. He gave them food vouchers and actually got goodie bags, including the goodie bags instructions on how to take advantage of all the sanctuary programs in places like Massachusetts, Martha's Vineyard uh, generally, and, and, and sent them on their way. So we actually ended up doing the exact same thing that the city of San Antonio has been doing, that the federal government has been paying for, that just in August, Alejandro Mayorkas went and congratulated the city for doing a good job running. Now, you might also have heard the stories about Governor DeSantis having had a criminal investigation opened into him. By whom? 
Oh, right, the sheriff there presides over San Antonio. The actual statutes, oh, right, there, there aren't any statutes. There aren't any laws that he could cite that Governor DeSantis was right, but it's an abuse of human rights. So to be clear, the city of San Antonio has been complicit with the federal government to run a center which explicitly states that it exists to transport asylum seekers across the country. This is what they do every day there. So Governor DeSantis does exactly what the federal government is literally paying for, that the city of San Antonio literally runs for them. And they've opened a criminal investigation into DeSantis. You see, something is no doubt criminal here, but it's not at all what's being reported. And it's but the latest case of projecting. The sheriff pursuing this criminal investigation also stated that those taken to Martha's Vineyard were there, quote-unquote, legally, that they had a right to be there. Well, in fact, he's also full of it. So full of crap. Talked about this some time ago, including uh, on this show, guest hosting for Mark Levin years, uh, years ago when we were dealing with some of the border crisis-related stuff. And we have final analysis in from the Trump administration days. And here's what we found. 87% of asylum seekers never even showed up for a court appearance as promised. And only 12% who did bother to ever show up were determined to be legitimate. So the bottom line? Only one and a half percent of asylum seekers back then with numbers that are a fraction of what they are today were ever legitimate. In other words, 98 and a half percent of seekers caught and released in this country illegal immigrants. Think about the implications today where we're talking about two and a half million. I mean, just that we have a fix on, let alone people that just flew under the radar. Implications are many. So, yes, Biden's bogus asylum process, the facilitation of unlawful behavior by cities like San Antonio, who are running stunning criminal operations by their own definition and at a rate that we've never seen. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one. Mud Lovin'. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. If you know you're a terrorist, you're not turning yourself in. So of the 78 is but a small sliver of what we suspect is a much broader group of people linked to groups in the Middle East of terrorism, but also terrorist groups in our hemisphere. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, 78 members of the terror watch list that have been apprehended at our southern border. I'm sure none of the greater than 560,000 gotaways, the ones that Border Patrol not able to encounter, let alone those that we just never able to get a handle on. I'm sure no bad people are there. None at all. Coming up a bit later in the show, I'm going to break down how much crime is being committed by illegal immigrants. You think you know? Numbers, I guarantee you, will shock you, even for as bad as you think it might be. That's actually much worse, especially when it comes to federal crime. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. If you are just joining us, shame on you for missing the the opening of the show. You can always uh, check out the podcast after the show and catch up. But uh, one thing I want to hit on to catch up to speed. Mention that from the Trump years, be mindful that the numbers today are greater than three times the worst year under the Trump administration. But even back then, 87% of migrants that were seeking asylum at our southern border never showed up for a court appearance. That automatically makes them illegal, right? And then, of those who did, you only had 1.5% in the end that were determined by the court system to be legitimate asylum seekers. Only 1.5%. All right, so when you take a look at 98.5% of everybody seeking asylum in this country that is an illegal immigrant, it's actually what led to President Trump's Remain in Mexico policy, which, of course, was rescinded under President Jack Wagon. But what we're also taking a look at is another immovable fact. I was talking about the... Martha's migrants, the Venezuelans, you hear about this. Biden was talking about it even earlier today, this whole U.N. thing afterwards. Well, you, Venezuelans and uh, Nicaragua, we've got to treat things uh, differently. The legal definition of asylum is this. One who is seeking asylum must do so in the first safe country they are encountered in doesn't exactly wash, and you don't exactly have to be good at geography to know that if you're Venezuelan, yeah, by the time you come up through Mexico, you pass through a couple other countries. They're not legitimate asylum seekers. They're not here legally. They will, in the end, be determined to be illegal immigrants by the court system. And the rest of them, they're just lying to you. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. 
That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. I mean, there are literally people from over 100 different countries entering the border, crossing the border. It's an industry, okay? There are flights from Turkey that are bringing people from Turkey and the Middle East into Mexico, into Cancun, and then from there crossing the border. It's from everywhere. It's uncontrolled. It's out of control. Ding, ding, ding. We have winner Senator Marco Rubio. It is an industry, and he illustrated multiple ways this industry continues to be abused and facilitated by the Biden administration by way of cities like San Antonio at your expense. And, of course, the expense doesn't stop there either. Talk a little bit about the cost of illegal immigration, including hard cost. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And so, been tying together a lot of what's not told. I I have several sayings, two sides of stories, one side of facts. That's what I broke her in. But another pertaining to the media, of which Mark, of course, has written brilliantly about, most pervasive form of bias in news media is omission of information. It's not the nonsense that you are fed in many cases that's the worst. It's what you never hear about. It is an absolute outrage that for months... There has been a center that has been run in San Antonio by those city officials, funded through the Department of Homeland Security, that has been bringing in migrants direct from the border, processing them, and shipping them without any notice to communities clear across the country. It's what they do. It's an industry, as Senator Rubio ended up putting it but there also is the story about they're coming from everywhere and this is where the crap's got to stop when it comes to asylum seekers and the legitimacy theoretically of asylum seekers under asylum law the next country you get into is where you declare asylum This just in. Asylum isn't a, hey, I want to get around the immigration system and enter country here, in our case, the United States. So I declare asylum. I kind of come from a crappy country, so you understand, right? Not the way it works. Not exactly the way it works. You're literally fleeing a repressive government. Now look, even in the case of Venezuela, yeah, no doubt. Bad dude, Maduro, bad. Crappy country, really poor idea to go along with socialism, communism. You get stuff like that. Understand that people are repressed. Does that mean that making your way all the way up through Mexico until you get to the United States, because that's a better arrangement, think it's going to be some sweet action here that you don't get elsewhere? That's not the idea. It's not, hey, where can I shop myself around the world to get the best deal coming out of Venezuela? When you hear about all around the world, people coming there, and go flying to Cancun. I want to get into the United States. Shoot, the easy way to do it is just go through the southern border. I mean, I I will say that uh, I was thinking, you know, one way to to get a charter flight to Martha's Vineyard might be to go ahead and cross the southern border. Just 
throwing that out there, but that's the problem. Your news media is so incredibly dishonest. Not only do they not tell you the truth about the industry that is being funded by the federal government, not only do they, they not tell you about the extraordinarily dishonest cities like San Antonio and that BS sheriff who opened a criminal investigation into what happens in the city of San Antonio every single day as an industry. It's that you're not taught or told or instructed what the asylum law is, who legitimate asylum seekers are, or the facts that I provided you at the onset of the show. There's no clue where the ball is going to land by the time we see how many of these notice to appears are ever appeared for by these asylum seekers and how many are found by federal judges to be legitimate. But I guarantee you that if it were only one and a half percent of asylum seekers under the Trump administration, it's going to be something worse than that now. Given that the situation is much worse now and people are being shipped all over the country and being lost. So it's not really hard to put all this together. But truth be told, right? And that is absolutely what continues to be missing here. So let's dig in a little bit about the cost of all this. First thing is, look, let's be real. I mean, what Governor DeSantis did when he shipped those two planes of illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard, it was a political stunt. No, it, it absolutely was that. It was to gain attention. But it was important. Because what he did was elevate the awareness of that reality, right? I mean, God bless him, Abbott and Ducey. They've been doing this for a long time to sanctuary cities, the busing, but it just was being selectively covered. It didn't open part of a national conversation on this whole deal. It didn't force the issue in the, in the, the face of a bunch of you know white wokesters that advocate for policy like this. So something that was a stunt like this precisely what was needed to cut through the nonsense in your news media to be able to draw attention to some of these issues. So there can be this conversation. But what it also did is it painted the picture. The reality that once you have these illegal immigrants in your backyard, you got to do something with them. You got to do something with them. So what happens then? We made them very comfortable at first, and we declare a humanitarian crisis in Martha's Vineyard. Over 48 illegal Humanitarian crisis. This is a place that brokers in tourism, but they can't handle 48 migrants. But we handle them very, very nicely. You see our, our nice range, and then they got them the heck out of there as quick as they possibly could, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the reality on the ground, what has to happen, and the actual cost for everything that does happen. And the fact of the matter that the federal government does this every day without any advance notice. And then what? Let's go to Mark. So listening on Sirius XM and from Sacramento. Mark, go. Yes, I just have a couple of things. I know we're talking about uh, bringing the the uh, illegal people coming over here and going to San Antonio, and they're putting them in facilities. Um, they're paying for that. I think that they're actually, all the prisons, they're taking all these uh, 
inmates and they're letting them loose. Uh, we're being soft on crime because they don't want to fill up the jails or nothing. All the money, all the tax money that we pay to go to that um, actually is going to these illegals that are coming over the border. What really pisses me off is that we have 78-year-old grandma over here that's making uh, $1,200 on Social Security, and she's having to actually work at the dime store to make things in, uh, meet while the inflation's going up. And then um, we're giving these people uh, food, money, cars, uh, place 100%. to live. Um, 100%. Welfare, everything. You are, you're, you're spot on. And by the way, I've actually deduced the uh, hard costs of this. A little bit later in the show, I'll break it all down for you. But to your very point, not only is the current economy hard on everybody, not only are you as a legal citizen not being paid the deference that these illegal immigrants are, not only is there an exponential increase in crime specifically attributed to them, but your hard cost as a tax Paying American is $468 this year for it. Like, if you actually wonder, okay, what does this mean to me? Let's say that you really are that far removed and it just hasn't really impacted you. Oh, it has. All the hard cost associated with facilitating this illegal immigration hitting you to the tune of $468. Bucks. Get to that a little bit later. Appreciate the call, Mark. Let's go to uh, Tim in Daytona. Tim, you and I get to share the best governor in the country. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, and thank you very much for taking my call. You uh, bet. I, uh, I was fortunate to live in El Paso, Texas for 10 years, uh, late 80s and all through the 90s. And I used to, well, I would watch the illegals come across the border uh, in El Paso. And the Rio Grande in El Paso is nothing but a creek. Uh, And they would walk across every morning. And they would be picked up, taken to jail, released, and then taken back to Mexico. Also, I watched several. I was in the transportation business. And the Border Patrol and DEA would be at the train station. And the amount of drugs that I witnessed coming in there was absolutely incredible. Now, today, the uh, Trump administration curtailed those crossings down to next to nothing. And now it is fourfold. My friends there in El Paso tell me it is so bad now that they are moving out. Oh, I believe it. And I appreciate uh, the, the call and the insight. To your point, I was just speaking earlier today, actually. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies does incredible work. My opinion, the best investigative journalist uh, that has been involved in in border reporting for years. And what you just explained when you were there and then back then compared to now. Now you not only have the free flow, but you actually have even nonprofits that are there ready to pick people up and bring them further inland. You have the programs like what I talked about that will directly bring these illegals 
from that border comfortably to centers like the one in San Antonio, to where there is an operation to go ahead and get them hotel stay, an operation to go ahead and get them some food, and then an operation to send them wherever it is that they're going to go, which often is where they want to go. I mean, isn't that cool, right? Let's go to James in Pittsburgh. James, go. Yeah, I'm just uh, curious if Martha's Vineyard is a sanctuary city, and um, and these people are there legally, according to uh, Sheriff Salazar. Then why are they so anxious to get rid of them? Why are they uh, putting them on buses and getting it, getting them out of Martha's <laughs> Vineyard if they're there legally? Yeah, that's a it's a, a great point. Uh, nice nice question. And and James, you're a sheriff, as I understand. Uh, I am not. No, I I just live in the state or in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But I will say this: having a spouse who's Hispanic, I have noticed an influx of you know Spanish migrants here in Pittsburgh, which is quite a ways away from the uh, southern border. Yeah, just a little bit, right? And that's the point. It doesn't matter where you are; it, this will find you because people are being shipped clear across the country. Appreciate it. I'm Brian Mud, and for the great one, Mud Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. People came into this country illegally, violating our laws, okay? And the first thing they do is get lawyers and use our laws to sue an elected governor, to sue a state. I mean, just think about that. They just got here. They're not even here legally. They didn't enter the country the proper way. And they're immediately in court demanding rights and claims under our laws. This is outrageous. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, Senator Rubio right on point. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. But guess what? Even tonight, you don't have to miss out on the great one. Mark Levin, he is doing a podcast-only, podcast-only election special. You can subscribe at MarkLevinShow.com or wherever you get your podcast. And by the way... Uh, while you're doing that, if it's the wherever you get your podcast, you can always check out The Brian Mudd Show. Go ahead and subscribe to that as well. We're talking about illegal immigration. Been ripping the cover off of a cover-up out of San Antonio, among other things, funded by the federal government, run by officials within San Antonio, where the Martha's migrants were uh, uh, caught, I guess you might say, uh, and then released into the vineyard uh, before you ended up having three. Though The funny thing was, actually, I don't know if you, you caught some of the news reporting on this, but uh, most of the 
most of these Venezuelan illegals and Marthas, they were happy about the circumstance. And Governor DeSantis made clear that, hey, uh, they were all given a choice and they all chose to do this. Only three of them of the 48 decided to go ahead and sue. But I mean, what a joke, right? The things I've talked about is the crime committed. We can quantify this. We're going to do it just in terms of federal crime. We have data from the Bureau of Justice Statistics. And give you an idea. I mean, the first thing, here's kind of a fun fact. And by the way, this is dated. This goes back a couple of years now. So with literally millions more illegals in this country, I mean, Lord knows. But anyway, as of the last time we had official statistics, Non-citizens, as they're categorized by our federal government, non-citizens accounted for 7% of our country's population, all right? 7%. What percentage of federal crime, federal arrest, do you think they account for? Do, 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 do. Got a number in mind? 64%. Yeah, no joke. No joke. 7% of the population... 64% of federal arrests. I mean, not to bog you down with too many numbers or something, but this one's pretty sensational. That makes (coughs) non-citizens illegals. Makes illegals 914% more likely to commit a federal crime than you or the average American, as the case may be. I mean, on one hand, you might be surprised by that. On the other hand, When you have somebody whose first act in this country is actually breaking the law, I mean, kind of stands to reason that a lot of them don't exactly take to our laws after that point either. How much of various crimes do they account for? Get this. 28% of all federal fraud, illegal immigrants. 25% of all property crime, these states united. Illegal immigrants, or non-citizens, as the case may be. 24% of all drug trafficking arrests, non-citizens. Isn't that all fun? So aside from the inherent dishonesty associated with suggesting someone in the country illegally is law-abiding, then you have this. Then you have this. All interest groups... All politicians who've advocated for the status quo regarding illegal immigrants, they should have to account for these realities. And they ultimately should be held accountable this November. This has to be one of the top election issues. Brian Mudd and for the great one, Mark Levin. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Those migrants were being treated horribly by Biden. 
They were hungry, homeless. They had no, no opportunity at all. State of Florida, it was volunteer, offered transport to sanctuary jurisdictions. Yeah, those inhumane San Antonio officials. How dare they? Inhumane Biden administration. Talk about being compassionate. They're just left out there, outside of the migrant center, waiting to get processed. They didn't have to wait. They ended up getting straight to the front of Air DeSantis and over to Martha's Vineyard of their own accord, as was pointed out. Biden's border. Joe Biden's stinking border is what's inhumane. Yeah, the greatest farce since the whole Martha's Migrants thing happened. Inhumanity. That became the media talking point. Just how inhumane it was. Oh, there's a lot that's inhumane. The first hour of the show, I talked about a great deal of what's inhumane and illegal, starting with these migrants. Almost all of which are statistically proven to be nothing more than illegal immigrants. Oh, but they're asylum seekers. Bull crap. They're people that have been trained to try to cheat the system. That are nothing more than illegal immigrants taking advantage of the United States of America and really dumb people like the President of the United States. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. I host the Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach. The Brian Mudd Show, WIOD in Miami. It is always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. And you may follow me at Brian Mudd Radio, Twitter, Getter, Parlor. And you can also check out uh, my podcast, which is the Brian Mudd Show, wherever you get your podcast. So let me talk about... The inhumanity of Biden's border. You know, the the whole political left and their allies in news media, they can all cry me a stinking river. Because we're really to believe that sending illegal immigrants from Texas to Florida, they made a stop in the panhandle, to Martha's Vineyard is is inhumane. I mean, seriously. You're really not believable as a person on the planet if you're attempting to make that case. Most people in this country would like to go to Martha's Vineyard and will not be able to afford to do so. So, I mean, seriously. Now, when you take a look at what's inhumane, it is Joe Biden's open border. So according to an investigation by the Southern District of Texas as part of Operation Joint Task Force Alpha, thousands of migrants have been documented as being, get ready for it, stuffed in suitcases. Heard about this, right? The thousands that we found that were stuffed in suitcases. Thousands found stuffed in wood cargo crates. Piled up on top of flatbed trucks. Thousands of migrants stuffed inside of emptied out water tanks. You've heard all this, right? Naturally. See, as usual, the most pervasive form of bias in news media remains omission. All what's being encouraged 
as you have people that try to make it up to the southern border. And of course, you have many of the ill-doers on the other side of that border that engage in human trafficking. you got to pay the piper if you want to get to where you want to get to. Now, this was something that, speaking of inhumanity, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis pointed out. When you have the San Antonio sheriff who announced a criminal investigation into him, again, without being able to cite any laws that were actually broken, especially since San Antonio through their center that they opened up, paid for by the federal government, brokers in this stuff in a prolific way every single day, processing illegal immigrants, sending them all over the United States, no notice to anybody on the ground. That is what they do. If San Antonio's sheriff is a serious person on this planet, he'll start arresting all the officials around him in his city. They're involved with that center. And he can open up a criminal investigation into Alejandro Mayorkas, who came there to congratulate them for their illegal operation. Two sides of stories, one side of facts. Inconvenient truth, as the case may be. But back to the inhumanity. Thousands of migrants stuffed inside of suitcases. Thousands stuffed in wood cargo crates. Just piled up, one on top of another, in flatbed trucks. Thousands of migrants stuffed inside of emptied out water tanks. You know, one of the observations DeSantis also made about the San Antonio sheriff is, wow, he, he really seems concerned about these, these 48 migrants taken to Martha's Vineyard. Seems to me he's more concerned about them than he was the 53 that ended up dead in the back of a truck under his jurisdiction earlier this year. Doesn't fit the narrative, does it? Doesn't fit the convenient, I'm a leftist Democrat hack who pretends to be an officer of the law, as the case may be, does it? Doesn't happen to fit the, my, my idea of law enforcement is to take the marching order from DHS Secretary Mayorkas to run an illegal operation out of the city of San Antonio. Maybe somebody will start paying attention, including, I don't know, some of the people in San Antonio for the local news outlets there who are not accurately covering what's happening in their own city. So, Border Patrol, they say they've uncovered, this is all part of that Operation Joint Task Force Alpha that found, you know, just Wednesday at the southern border, flatbed trucks with cargo crates of bodies with suitcases and bodies and water tanks and bodies, you know, just just another day. They say they've seen the worst conditions ever witnessed as part of this operation. And then you add into this all the others that have died trying to swim across the Rio Grande. Small children dropped, babies that have been dropped over the border. You know how you perhaps have seen some of those images? You know the images you haven't seen? The ones where the babies don't make it? Not a comfortable conversation, is it? Yeah, there's really nothing that is comfortable about this level of inhumanity, is there? Your news media has bigger things to be doing, I'm sure, than covering the truth of Biden's inhumanity for what he's allowing and what he is encouraging across our southern border. 
Be mindful, what I've mentioned are just the ones we know about. The suitcases, the cargo crates, the water tanks, the dead babies over the border. But that is no doubt what's inhumane here. And of course, the reason this is happening is Biden's open border that encourages all of it. Secondarily, it's elected Democrats which continue to support Biden's open border policies and which advocate sanctuary policies. Here's something else that's inhumane. A record 100,000 plus Americans dying from drug overdoses over the past year. That happens to be a 300% increase in just under two years. Top cause? Fentanyl free-flowing across that southern border along with the illegal immigrants. Here's one more thing that's inhumane. The greater than $70,000 illegal immigrants cost the average during their time here in this country. Every single illegal border crosser cost us an average of 70 grand. It's based on a study from the Center for Immigration Studies. The $70,000 of our tax money being used on illegals rather than on the interests of Americans. That blatant abuse of taxpayers, that is inhumane. You know, the, the jokers who advocate for open borders, sanctuary cities, who then have the audacity to suggest that sending illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard is inhumane are so incredibly full of it, so wildly off base. Their hollow words aren't even really deserving of the time that I even just spent addressing them because it's a demonstrable fact that Joe Biden and sanctuary Democrat policies are inhumane for the illegal immigrants. It's inhumane for Americans succumbing to illegal drugs. It is inhumane for all of us as taxpayers. And yes, Governor DeSantis should send illegals to Joe Biden's backyard next. He's on his way there. I'm all about fulfilling promises, and while Martha's Vineyard is a clever way to once again deliver a literal message about the problems with Biden's border policies, there's something about Biden's Beach, which, by the way, also paid for, Biden's Beach also paid for by us taxpaying types, seeing as he's never actually held a job that wasn't funded by us, unless you count Ukrainian and Chinese money. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll save that. So, yeah, you, you could say Obama's backyard today. Yeah, with Martha's. And Biden's beach tomorrow. DeSantis should make that happen. You know, uh, and, and then you have the snowflakes, like the state rep in Martha's Vineyard. Elected Democrats in Congress. And Joe Biden. All those jokers. They are the ones responsible for the inhumane treatment and abuse of fentanyl victims, taxpayers, and all would-be illegal immigrants. That is the rest of this story that needs to be told. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd Lovin'. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. 
They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. If 50 was a burden on one of the richest places in our country, what about all these other communities that have been overrun with hundreds or thousands? Yeah, no kidding, right. Uh, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And to that point, you had Martha's Vineyard, which again, I mean, how much of a farce is this? They broker in tourism and they declared a humanitarian crisis for technically 48 people. And then you know, they, they got them out of Martha's as soon as their photo op about how humane they are happened to come down. Talked about a lot of aspects of the impact of all of this illegal immigration. About the actual hard costs associated with it. And about the reality on the ground. What the governor was just talking about what happens when these are illegal immigrants arrive wherever they're sent to see the thing about martha's is that happens every day in this country no advance notice federal government facilitating it it doesn't just somehow or another work itself out it doesn't just happen to come without any cost there are three basic ways in which illegal immigrants create cost burdens for our society. The first is if they're under federal custody. Based on government data, the average cost is 134 bucks per person per day. So all these asylum seekers, all these you know leftists, the one that say, oh, you know, it's humanitarian, it's their asylum seekers, they're legitimate. You know what that is? First thing, aside from the fact that almost all of them are provably illegal immigrants, is that it also happens to be a $134 burden per person per day at the onset. You and I pay for that. It's fun, right? I mean, not like we have anything better to do with the money. Then you take a look at how many are generally housed at any given time by the federal government. It's about 42000 by the way. We got about 42000 we pays in some type of, of federal accounted for facility. Okay, that cost us over $2 billion in just the normal cost of the encounters. Then you have the cost of actually transporting the illegals across the country. They don't just magically show up. And unsurprisingly, your godless soul slanders news media types, which set DeSantis up as the evildoer of sorts. Well, they failed to report that President Biden tasked Congress with providing $1.8 billion this year just to transport them, just to bring them to your backyard. That's fun, right? Oh, but then what happens once they actually arrive? According to the Center for Immigration Studies, 
63% of households headed by a non-citizen use at least one welfare program. Be mindful, that's entirely illegal, but it happens. Compared to native households, non-citizen households are more than twice as likely to end up on government assistance. And here's something else that's fun. The longer an illegal immigrant is in the United States, the more likely they are to end up on assistance. Number one reason why, well, they end up having kids and end up getting benefits through the kids, who, of course, because they're born here, are citizens. And what are the extent of the programs that are exploited? Financial welfare, housing, Medicaid, SNAP, WIC, and school lunch programs. But again, we got nothing but endless amounts of money. The estimated annual abuse two years ago, no telling where this ball ends. The estimated annual abuse in the welfare programs, $26.8 billion. Wait, there is much more. Because again, that is only that type of the tangible cost. And as I pointed out earlier, federal crime, 64% of all federal arrests are illegal immigrants. So you have whatever the value is of the crime. You have the impact to the victims of those crimes. And then you have, yes, the cost of incarceration, the cost of housing these criminals until they are, what, released anymore because the Biden administration doesn't remove them from this country even once they've served their time. Every time you turn around, more cost associated with the illegal immigration facilitated by President Biden. And when you take a look at the actual number for for you, what does it cost me? Taxpaying schlub American. The net net of it is $468. The average household in this country is paying $468 a year just to support illegal immigration in this country. And guess what? That's dated information. What do you think it's going to cost you this year? But it's humane, and they're seeking asylum, and but, 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 but. You got your head so far up your rear end, if that's where your mind is. Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mark Levin. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's an Another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Mark Levin, simply the smartest man on radio. And you can call him 877-381-3811. 
We have to take back our streets. We need to repeal cashless bail. We need to remove rogue district attorneys like the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. We need to back our men and women in law enforcement. Our streets should belong to law-abiding New Yorkers instead of being turned over to criminals. And if that guy isn't the next governor of New York, then what you need to do is what a record number of New Yorkers did last month and come to my state of Florida. By the way, New York wasn't the only record setter last month. Californians, a lot of states actually. In fact, California, it used to be that like they would stop in Texas because, well, that, that made sense. I've been hearing that since Texas has been trending the other way, and and Florida's been trending our way, plus Governor DeSantis versus Abbott. Not taking anything away from Abbott, but I'm just saying, DeSantis is better. Californians, a lot of them are saying, you know what? Going all the way to Florida. Number two in net migration in the Florida. Californians, been interesting to watch. And for the people who have been worried over the years, I've been monitoring this. I've talked about it to a great degree. Other people have worried that Blue state people are going to come to Florida with their politics. They have, mostly conservatives. It's a big part of the reason why Florida continues to become more conservative. That and something that I used to speak about for a very long time, which is one day South Florida would save this country from itself because there are people that really understand what socialism is. People that really understand what communism is and know exactly what Democrats stand for these days, and the fire they are playing with. That time has come. It's a huge part of the story. And obviously, that is playing out with Hispanics in many parts of the country. Hey, the big guy might not be here with you tonight, but you can still check out something for Mark Levin tonight. He's got a podcast-only, podcast-only election special. It's available for you right now. MarkLevinShow.com to subscribe or wherever you get your podcasts. Although I prefer that actually wait until after this show and then you listen to his podcast. By the way, check it out podcast, The Brian Mudd Show, wherever you get your podcast as well. All right, let's go to Jesse in L.A. Jesse, welcome to the show. Yeah, hi. Hi, Jesse. Hello. You're yeah. on. Um, earlier, yes, hi, earlier you were talking about the, the border and you had mentioned that Biden was encouraging people to come to the border and that the border was open. And I'm just curious because it seems like if the cartels, if the people who are coming here need the cartels to cross the border, instead of them just going to a normal port of entry, the border is open, doesn't that indicate that the border is closed? And the fact that the border patrol is taking fentanyl off the street? Doesn't that show that they are trying to do something? Oh, I have no doubt that people in Border Patrol are trying to do a lot of things. I have nothing but sympathy for Border Patrol. Okay, so let's have a heavy dose of reality here for a moment. Just in terms of sheer numbers, if you missed earlier in the show, the actual number over the trailing 12 months, 2494 million encounters with Border Patrol. 2.494. A number that is over 320% greater than any pre-Biden year. That's how extensive this has been. Number one, at the encouragement of 
the current president of the United States to bring this in. Then you get to the 560,000 gotaways. So the first thing is, when you talk about, well, is there or is there not an open border? I mean, technically, a border patrol is there, and they're encountering people. It's not really open. I understand the attempted logic at that argument. The reality on the ground is, well, if you have more gotaways that we're aware of than used to attempt to cross the southern border in any given year, that tells you you got a problem with an open border. So that's the next piece of the problem. But then you get into some of the nuance of this, and I'm actually glad that you know you introduced this dynamic because a lot of people don't understand a lot of what happens at the southern border. And again, I encourage people, Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies, amazing work. Go check him out. Uh, he is a, a wealth of information on both sides of the border with what really goes on. And the bottom line is this. The cartels control everything south of our border. And ultimately, there is a price that must be paid to the piper if you're going to make it across our southern border. If you happen to have the financial resources to meet whatever the going rate is of the cartel that you're dealing with, then they'll help facilitate your move to the southern border. And you don't end up necessarily being smuggled like some of the less fortunate people. So why then is it that some people end up being smuggled? Well, let's say that you don't have the money that the cartels are demanding, but you might have something to offer. You do have a lot of traffickers, a lot of smugglers that are willing to go ahead and take whatever that often is far less and then stack people, as I mentioned, in water tanks, crates, what have you, and then smuggle them into the United States. In fact, I mean, some of those people are actually Americans that get, get engaged in going south of the border and you know collecting money from people they're trying to get across. I mean, that is very much a, a part of this process and problem. All encouraged. And yes, it is related to the open border because the idea here is this. They're not going to get here and be sent back. Who would want to pay off the cartels? Who would want to pay off a trafficker and be smuggled into this country if they knew that right away they were going to be apprehended and taken right back? That also tells you they know that there's an open border. Let's go to Yolanda in San Antonio. Yolanda, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, I'm actually from the southern tip of Texas. Uh, by the McAllen area. You're right now. And this the past heart of weekend, we, we traveled to San Antonio, right where that facility is at 7000 San Pedro. Uh, we traveled for a, um, a, uh, a rally. It was like a protest uh, to stop the invasion and to close the border. So we were there um, with our flags. And uh, so we uh, encountered a bus ticket that was thrown on the floor and it had a stamp on there that they did not speak English but it was made out to Michael Jordan. No kidding. The bus ticket. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. And then uh, across the street from us at that facility, there's uh, illegals walking all over the neighborhood. They're out, out and about all over and across the street from us, the Democrats started protesting back and forth. They were yelling back and forth with us. And some illegals brought out their flags. And so there was some 
that brought out a flag that was a black flag that had, like, I think it had the letters E-Z-L-N. And another one was an orange flag with some man's picture on there. The black flag, uh, a Venezuelan guy that came and stopped and uh, talked to us, he told us that that black flag represented a Colombian cartel and the orange flag represented some socialist country over there. And that's what they were waving around without even realizing that that's what they were waving. And Mexican flags. And Mexican flags as well. And, uh, you know, and uh, it was crazy when we were out there. And uh, Yolanda, God and, bless you for the work you're doing. Uh, uh, how dangerous ultimately is this as you're going back and forth between McAllen and, you know, this, this center in San Antonio? Because it sounds like even standing outside that center isn't necessarily the safest place you could be. Well, we, we, we were armed. We were, I mean, this is Texas. <laughs> my husband had his gun with him. God bless <laughs> but, you. Uh, um, my husband has worked along the, the, between Eagle Pass and Del Rio area in Quemado, where all the activity is going on as well. He was uh, um, a security uh, for ranchers over there. So he got to see a lot of stuff that was going on. And another thing that they do, the illegals, before they cross the river, they, they ditch their, their actual ID. If you, if you go across the river and look on their shoreline, all their IDs are just scattered around. They throw, they throw away their IDs because when they cross over, they have to say that they are from an asylum country, even if they're not really from there. Cuba, Venezuela? Yeah, the, any one of the asylum countries, they'll, they'll say they're from there, even though they really aren't. Yeah, they're being trained, and uh, this is just a good point. We talked about uh, previously in, in years gone by some of the American interest groups, starting with Pueblos in Fronteras, which was a Chicago-based organization going down to Central America and going into uh, Mexico and organizing caravans and ultimately coaching these individuals on what to say, the magic words to try to gain asylum into this country, which is a huge part of the abuse. Well, thank you so much for what you do. May God bless you. Stay safe and uh, and and stay strong. Let's um, let's go to Kevin Grand Forks. Kevin, welcome to the show. Yeah, um, on the top of the hour, you were also talking about the costs of this illegal immigration coming across the border. And apparently, some of the pundits on, the, as Mark calls them, the Constipated News Network. They seem yes. to think it's actually good for inflation uh, to help uh, lower inflation when you have all these illegals coming across the border. But obviously they failed their economics class because when you don't increase supply, but you significantly increase demand, uh, last I checked, that actually causes inflation. A little bit, Kevin, and to your point, uh, which is well taken, the irony is to the extent that many arguments are advanced that, well, you know, illegal immigration, it's it's good for lowering inflation. It's through wage suppression. It's the idea, hey, we can keep down wages with illegal immigrants. And you think about that one for a moment, and that is where the argument has turned. Uh, it is a tangled web one weaves when there is not much resembling a moral compass, but simply a desire for leftist policies, of which this is obviously 
a central part of it. I mean, you take a look. The Democrat Party for a long time, they have had this formula of getting people reliant on the foreign, uh, on the federal government and then telling them they'll keep the goodies coming as long as they vote for them. They're running out of people who will go along with that. So they're importing new ones, getting them on the system, recruiting new voters. Know what this is all about. Let's go to Mike in Fairfield, California. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. Um, by the way, I, on hold, that was the first time I'd heard the song Soul Makusa in forever. Um, <laughs> you can thank Mike I, for that one. <laughs> uh, after listening to the wonderful folks on Martha's Vineyard spew their what the late great General Storman Norman Schwarzkopf would describe as bovine scathology, I did a little quick math. Um, the, the, the average income was reported as $700,000 annually. There's roughly 30,000 people on that island. If each person was to donate, donate one-half of 1% one of their income, each of those uh, migrants could, would have received $2.1 million. There you go. little uh, universal basic income for the humanitarian effort on the island. I like it. That's good stuff. Appreciate it. Um, I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd, love in. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's an Another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. What you see in that case at the McDonald's on Delancey Street in Lower Manhattan, as this guy's swinging this axe and he's chopping down tables, he's chopping down walls, he's swinging at other customers, this guy was released on cashless bail before the fries got cold. I mean, you need the governor. You can't make this stuff up. Future governor of New York right there on the absolute absurdity that New York City has become. And speaking of absurdity, talk about in the third hour some of the other issues that need to be huge issues this November, like the economy. But here's something else. Dude looks like a lady. You know, you, you think about how much has changed since 87 when Aerosmith rocked Dude looks like a lady. Boy George was her favorite dude who looked like a lady. George Michael was still a sex symbol for women. And boys are boys. Girls are girls. Even if the boys liked boys and the girls liked girls. And nowhere along the way did any of us think that one day some boys who liked boys would decide eh, they're girls and expect to go through life being treated as such. 
you know, dressing like one, pretending to then biologically be one. That just wasn't something that was on Steven Tyler's radar. Like, for example, boys who identify as girls going into girls' bathrooms and locker rooms or having boys who identify as girls competing as girls. And these are outright absurdities, but they're also the current realities of the woke left, which have permeated every aspect of our society. And, of course, it's being pushed from on high as in President Biden's administration. One of the things that just recently happened, you might recall President Biden announced the expansion of Title IX protections for boys who identify as girls or men who identify as women, as the case may happen to be. The expansion means mandatory access for boys who identify as girls to girls' bathrooms, locker rooms, and, yep, athletic competitions, of course. And while creepy Uncle Joe has been denying God, biology, logic, and attempting to use your tax dollars to force this reality into our schools, you did make your voice heard. Like all government rule changes, there's a mandatory period of public comment. It recently ended, and the response actually set a record. Yet over 184,000 Americans had voiced their concerns to the U.S. Department of Education over the proposed Title IX changes. And there's been no indication that the Biden administration is prepared to back down from this abomination. But it is yet another indication that we're continuing to do a better job minding the store with some issues, including education, which has to be, once again, at the forefront this November. We've got to keep up the momentum, and we've got to dump the wokes, especially within our schools. We can talk about so many issues in our society today, but I'll point all of them back to the incarnation of the Department of Education in 1980. I mean, how did we end up getting from point A to wherever the heck this place is? Well, it all started about that time, and it all started through those ways. And it's also a funny thing about God. You know, the further you get God from society, the more absurd things get, and also the worse things get, just kind of generally. But details, right? So anyway, you actually have protesters out there, you know, female athletes with signs that say, Keep women's sports female. And say no to males competing as females. How much of a tool bag do you have to be to attempt to force that biological absurdity on girls? Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. 
is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You think, how am I going to pay for groceries? How am I going to get gas? Every time you're going to the grocery store, you feel... Uh, the price of inflation. Not everybody wakes up every day thinking about abortion. Uh, voters are also worried about crime. They're worried about education. They're worried about the 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 border. So these are. The- yeah, Rhonda McDaniel there, of course, RNC chair, and there's a point to be made. Abortion, this abortion. How many bills have you been able to pay with an abortion? No, not very comfortable or, or couth subject, is it? But then again, you just think about how uncomfortable it is for the baby involved. But anyway, are you better off than you were two years ago? Yeah. I mean, even in the middle of that part of the pandemic, probably not, right? And man, nobody is better off than a year ago, except for the illegal immigrants that we continue to uh, compensate and take care of in this country at our own Literal expense, as the case may be. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. I host the Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach. The Brian Mudd Show, WIOD in Miami. Always an honor and a pleasure to be right here with you. You may follow me at Brian Mudd Radio, Twitter, Getter, Parlor, And I also invite you to check out the Brian Mudd Show podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Let's talk a little bit about the issues. I've talked for the majority of the first two hours of this show about the illegal immigration problem, including ripping the cover off of a cover-up in San Antonio in an operation that's being run at a migrant center that San Antonio officials take care of, that the federal government pays for, that Alejandro Mayorkas, DHS secretary, has praised, that processes prolifically illegal immigrants and sends them clear across the country. Which, by the way, happens to be the reason why you ended up having the migrants that said they wanted to go to Florida that were picked up from outside that San Antonio center before they got here. It's the rest of that part of the story about how the Martha's migrants were sent by Florida's governor from Texas. They did make a stop at the panhandle up on their way to the vineyard. Let's talk a little bit about Biden here for a second. You know, unpacking President Biden's 60 Minutes interview Sunday night, it was actually like the equivalent of opening the smallest box under the Christmas tree. Only to realize once you you open it, it's actually the best gift. I mean, on one hand, here Joe Biden is doing 60 Minutes. I mean, what's your first thought? Biden's 60 Minutes? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I've got some laundry that I need to get to. Right? I mean... No way you're thinking, man, what I need to be doing with my Sunday night. But then if you think about it a little longer, you realize, hey, you know what? This means he's actually going to be interviewed by someone. Which, of course, his handlers never allow. That alone has possibilities for it to provide more entertainment value than, say, the laundry. And yes, even in a pre-taped and heavily edited environment, he delivered. That is, if you, like me, view Joe Biden as a bit of a parody of an actual president and have become inclined to try to use humor as a coping mechanism for the actual policy. So about that, 
on the question of inflation, he said, well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. And this is an exact quote here. Inflation rate month to month was just just an inch, hardly at all. When pressed by Scott Pelley, which, by the way, did a credible job in this interview, he said, but it was 8.2% or 8.2% before. I mean, it's not your act, we act, make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2%. It's been, to which, in an effort to help the president complete a sentence, Pelley said it's the highest inflation rate in 40 years, or the new economic measure of an inch, as the case may be. We should have absolute confidence he has command of the issue, right? And then Pelley pressed the president on the economy and prospects for a recession to which he said, we're growing entire new industries, 695, I think it is, or 85,000 new manufacturing jobs just since I've become president in United States. Exact quote. Right, so we're avoiding a recession with entire new industries, 695 or 85,000 manufacturing jobs. Got it. Got it. I mean, you can really tell with his economic acumen, general prowess, how he was able to play such a pivotal role in negotiating the end of the rail strike last week. You know the one that never actually happened? And the crisis that was being manufactured in the news media? No doubt, Joe Biden, with that kind of art of the deal, you might say, acumen that he he got in there, saved us. My economic concerns no more. Hey, but then actually, in a moment of cognitive clarity... The president answered the question, of course, as to if the pandemic was over, much to the Fauci's dismay. He said the pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. It's, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. By the way, hearing that, I started cracking up because a chance you've seen somebody around you with a mask. I was thinking... And you just got it from Biden, of all people. Anyway, continuing with the quote from the president. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. So I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. Okay, so notice a couple things there. First, he managed to complete multiple sentences in a row. Coherently. And he actually was generally making sense. And of course, this sent the Fouch and the Fouchist attempting to keep the pandemic alive. They're, they're scrambling still. And technically, with over 300 Americans a day still dialing, dying due to the vid, you can't exactly say that everybody is in good shape. But look, the, the point generally is well taken. Of course, if people not wearing masks and a few hundred people a day dying, due to the virus means that we're not in the pandemic. Well, look at that. You might say that the uh, pandemic was pretty much over in my state of Florida two years ago. And the only reason it ever continued elsewhere was by choice. 
Moving along to foreign policy. Of course, he's been so strong on this. Not only do you have Ukraine that has been invaded by Russia, but now we have nuclear threats from Putin. But anyway, President Biden was asked if Ukraine was winning the war. His answer? They are now losing a war. Got it. Okay. And then there was Taiwan. This was the biggie. When Pelly asked if U.S. forces would defend the island, well, he said, yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack, to which Pelly followed up. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese evasion. To which the president simply answered yes. Now, of course, as the Falchists were already in a tizzy over the previous comment, now you really had something on your hands here with the White House backtracking because, yeah, I mean, you know, detail about that being World War III. Chips are down. But anyway, overall, in the span of 60 minutes, we learned that Inflation's only an inch. The economy, it's fixed with an indeterminate number of new industries and manufacturing jobs. The pandemic has been over since whenever it was that you decided to take your mask off. Ukraine's not winning the war, but they're not losing it either. Oh, and we're on the brink of World War III, depending upon who actually gets to make the decisions for Biden that day. I mean, definitely all more interesting than laundry. Also... Very much our current reality. Yeah, the kind of stuff that you cannot make up. And by inflation, of course, biting again. And right down to the Fed having to hike rates by another three quarters of a percent today. Yes, winning. You know, the real key here is that there are no more Trump tweets. You know, all that. Good economic stuff that happened before the pandemic. So much better now that we have Biden. We have 40-year high inflation. And we have no Trump tweets. Hey, um, you take a look, by the way, at the Anything But Inflation Reduction Act, which now quite literally has been proven to add to the rate of inflation. I mean, who knew that new government spending would lead to additional inflation huh joe manchin but wait there's more bank of america just put out a note on the inflation reduction act now as per usual your news media doesn't report on stuff that matters so in bank of america's note guess what when it comes to clean energy which biden was even talking about before the u.n today in the climate crisis blah 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 according to bank of america the Inflation Reduction Act, which has already been acting to increase inflation yet again, will increase the cost on, wait for it, clean energy. No kidding. Only Joe Biden and the current crop of Democrats could pass something called the Inflation Reduction Act, which only adds to the 40-year high rate of inflation they themselves created through their previously failed policies, all while making renewable energy more expensive. I mean, that's fun. 
I'm really not sure if you could intentionally set out to fail worse than these people and succeed as well as they've managed to. Good times. But still no Trump tweets. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud Lovin. The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic... The year was... The Macarena was all the rage. The Motorola StarTac was born. So was Hotmail. Osama bin Laden officially declared war on the United States. Eh, we really weren't paying attention. Bill Clinton, he was busy with an intern. And he won re-election. The year was, of course, 1996. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that it's already been 26 years. But it also happened to be the last time United States life expectancy was as low as it is today. According to the CDC, life expectancy has fallen from 79 back in 2019 to 76 today. All right, that's three years of lost life and three years of time. And yes, the China virus has a lot to do with it. But that's far from all of it. Another foreign invader, one we talked about earlier in the show, that's only getting worse in real time, actually played a huge part in dialing back the length of life. Illegal drugs led by fentanyl. And while COVID-19 has become the new multi-seasonal flu, which I appreciate you say the pandemic's over, even if it's sent the vouch and the vouchist and running in circles in dismay, trying to circle the wagons on that deal. The threat from... The free flow of illegal drugs being smuggled across Biden's open border with the free flowing stream of illegal immigrants. Now it's killing record numbers of Americans in record time. You see, 16 percent of the decline in life expectancy attributed directly to the rampant rise in illicit drug use. Now, independent of war or a pandemic, it happens to be the single biggest decline in life expectancy in American history. And it's completely avoidable. However, the open border agenda, Biden, well, that's more important than the lives, the well-being of Americans, along with all the other facts that provided tonight. Speaking of bad policy that happens to harm Americans, the year was, hold on by Wilson Phillips, led the way. The Cold War came to an end. Hubble was launched. Millie Vanilli lip-synced. Seinfeld debuted. That was important. Year was 1990. Also happened to be the last time math and reading scores declined by as much as they have since the pandemic. Now, while the forced remote learning ended, the pandemic of learning loss hasn't. According to the National Assessment of Education Progress, yeah, we failed. While the total average score decline was the worst in 32 years, the decline of mathematics, the worst on record. And where was the impact worst? All right, minority students, black students experienced a 13-point decline in learning performance, nearly three times the learning loss of white students. But wait, there's more. According to the National Center for Education Statistics, quoting, our own data reveal the pandemic's toll on education in other ways, including increases in students seeking mental health services, absenteeism, school violence, disruption, cyberbullying, and nationwide teacher and staff shortages. Right, so like every existing concern and problem with students independent 
even of learning loss, is worse as well. And as was the focus when you take a look at the pandemic, right. Not serving the interest of the kids in any capacity. Oh, and now we have the teacher shortages, right? Who knew? Even that bad policy is related to the current teacher shortages. There's evidence the fallout from pandemic policy also to blame. According to Columbia University, the loss of learning so severe, the average student will never catch up by the time they complete their education. That one's fun for you. Here's one more. The soul of the country is at stake. That's something that Joe Biden recently said. He's actually right about that one, too. Kind of like the pandemic being over. And so is our children's education, physical health, mental health, moral compass, general well-being. What all this shows is just how big of a deal it is when we have people who have no business making decisions that are given the power to make important decisions. So from local elections, local leaders, to federal elections, it's a matter of fact that Democrat politicians and their lockdown decisions are directly responsible For our children being permanently undereducated, mentally abused, cyberbullied, subjected to drugs they never should have been subjected to, and for what? The sole man himself, Joe Biden, who calls Republicans semi-fascists. As usual, he was projecting. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. America's mentor of conservatism. Call now at 877-381-3811. We hope we can have, what they say, a soft landing, a transition to a place where we don't lose the gains that I ran to make in the first place for middle-class folks, being able to generate good-paying jobs and and expansion. (laughs) I mean, does he even understand what he's saying? We're going to lose the gains that he ran to make. Riddle me that one. All right, here's something for you. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. If you were to ask me, what above all is Donald J. Trump's Achilles heel? I'd tell you in a nanosecond that it is bad personnel choices. And what reads like something... For all of us to consider, but a purpose pitch to the former president of the United States, someone that he refers to affectionately as the boss. Joining us is Peter Navarro, his new book just out, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back. Peter, appreciate you joining us. Brian, my friend, uh, so great to be with you. Happy birthday to the great one. Uh, Amen. Taking back Trump's America is not, not just a book to me, sir. It's a mission. And if we don't take back Trump's America, get him back in the White House in 2024, this nation is cooked. And, sir, it's going to begin with taking back that House of Representatives, get that gavel from the cold hands of Nancy Pelosi. So I wrote this book, didn't realize it would be as timely as it is, but this is the blueprint and battle cry for the MAGA movement that Joe Biden wants to put in jail. We're going we're gonna to overthrow that guy peacefully at the ballot box. You make many really good points naming all of the names that you think are parts of the problem, have been parts of the problem, still need to go as part of your solution. 
by the conclusion of your book. Within this process, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, we can even take a look going back to Sessions. A lot of people and the president himself, well, that was a big mistake, letting him become attorney general. The whole Trump-Russia collusion situation never would have played out the same way if he had gotten that decision right. But really, that is part of something larger that you identify with here. How pervasive is the former president's issue with finding the right people to put in the right places? The, the issue itself is closed o- o- over. He, he knows what went down. He's not going to make that mistake by any means in his second term. I love the guy. I'm strongly behind him. But the original sin of the administration I described in Taking Back Trump's America occurred the day after the 2016 election. I was there in the war room. I fought for that, for that campaign, and I saw what we called the November Nighters come in. The original sin, as Steve Bannon calls it, was to think that somehow we could let these rhinos in who don't support the Trump agenda come in and help us staff the government and think that it would turn out okay. It did nothing but turn into delay, deterrence, disaster when it came time uh, to implement <clears throat> the secure border. And, and most of all, where I was the tip of the spear, Brian, was uh, the bringing home our manufacturing base and supply chains and getting fair trade. And, you know, I name names in the book. Uh, there are a lot of bad ones. There's a lot of good ones. But, you know, if I had, you know, if I had one guy, one guy that would <laughs> never darken the door of the White House, Trump would still be there. That was the Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin. That guy, a liberal Democrat from Manhattan, wound up, in the Trump White House and did nothing but back-channel the, the communist Chinese and backstab the president. I fought him every day I was there to the point of having shouting matches with him in Beijing, and he just he was a one-man wrecking crew on our China policy. But, but it, the interesting thing to me is when we brought a lot of these rhinos in, it's like uh, he, but Donald Trump was the commander-in-chief. First rule is, Obey the chain of command. You know, Brian, who broke that rule the most often? It was the three generals I call out in the book. John Kelly, the, the chief of staff, Jim Mattis at the Pentagon, H.R. McMaster, and the West Wing. These guys, as Lighthizer would joke, thought they had to save the world from Trump. Lighthizer and I thought Trump would save the world. We were right. And that was the story of the first half uh, that I tell uh, the first half of the book, I talk about what went wrong early. I mean, the, the bottom line was that these people who were around him made that election, which should have been a landslide, close enough to what I think was close enough to steal. And the, the problem we had was it took us a while to figure out who the bad guys were. There's an interesting story, Brad, if I may tell it. It's like in the Roosevelt sure. room early in 2017, getting across from the president, this iconic room in the, in the West Wing. And the, the boss was, like, like pissed off that the trade agenda and tariff agenda was moving so slow. So he called in most of the cabinet that, that the issue was relevant to and everybody in the West Wing who, who was anybody. And we go around the table, and by the time we get around the table, there's only two people in the room who supports the trade and tariff agenda. It's him and me. And I see his eyebrows go up. He looks at me and is like, Houston, we got a problem here. And we were able to right the ship that day and kind of move much faster. But the idea that you'd have to fight Rex Tillerson 
at the State Department, or Sonny Purdue at the Department of Agriculture, or Jim Mattis. Um, but I, I, I would be, you know, there, there were great people in the administration, and Trump, in my judgment, best president in modern history. But we got off to a slower start than we did because bad personnel is just not bad policy, to, to paraphrase Reagan, but also bad politics. It's well done. A lot of what you have kind of setting that up, and as I was thinking through the timetable, it adds up along the lines of what you're talking about, because a lot of people were wondering, hey, Republicans have control of Congress. Why aren't things moving faster? Uh, but we didn't know everything that was going on behind the scenes that happened to be muddying up the works. We're speaking with Peter Navarro, his new book just out, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back. Yeah, Peter do you think, because you did write this very intentionally for the former president, do you think he's going to take your advice here? Oh, there's no question. He understands uh, the misses we, we had. And, and yeah, I don't blame him. I mean, the buck is supposed to stop there. But within his top inner circle, these people brought in the rhinos. And it was a big mistake. I'll tell you, one of the biggest villains, and rightly so, and taking back Trump's America, and the key basically to taking back Trump's America is Mitch McConnell. I mean, that guy, okay, so he, he gave us a bunch of judges quickly, good for him, good for President Trump, but at the same time he was moving judges like grease lightning through the process, he was preventing all of the Trump appointees to the top cabinet agencies from getting smooth confirmation hearings, and as a result, Brian, what, what, we couldn't drain the swamp. And McConnell to this day, I mean, he's like, he, he's, he's causing havoc. We're trying to take back the Senate, and, and, and Mitch McConnell is screwing uh, Blake Masters in Arizona trying to win that seat. He's screwing J.D. Vance in Ohio. He's screwing Herschel Walker. He's screwing around because there's a battle, Brian, within the Republican Party for the hearts and minds of that party. Trump represents the people. He transformed that party into the party of the working class. But boy, Mitch McConnell didn't get that memo. He still wants to offshore our jobs and, and t take money from Wall Street and Silicon Valley and the multinational corporations. And and this is, this is what we've got to change. And Trump's the guy to do it. Peter, one name that comes up prominently that you haven't referenced so far, Jared Kushner. Yes. Yes. The, uh, the Rasputin uh, that I'm quite <laughs> quite honest about in the book. Uh, look, Jared, I, I got along with him in the West Wing. We never had any harsh words, but I was appalled. You had like a 30-something guy come in. He's a liberal Democrat who knows nothing other than how to, how to make money in real estate. And the next thing you know, he's got his finger in every pie, and I hold him along with Mnuchin accountable for Donald Trump not being in the White House, and, and Jared was not only stopped on time in China, when he, when he stuck his nose into managing the pandemic, he made things worse, not better, and most of all, Brian, we, we had, you know, I was the only one of three guys who was with the boss from the campaign in 2016 to the end. I saw it all, and the first thing I saw was 20 people on Trump Force One in 2016, and Steve Bannon run the most beautiful, efficient, slimmed down, come from behind, underfunded campaign of any in history. 
and flip over to 2020. Jerry's the campaign manager, and he was burning money like a monkey with a flamethrower early, <laughs> long before election day. And we we ran, Brian. We we ran at we we outraised Biden, but he outspent us in the final six weeks of the campaign, and that was on that was on Jared Kushner. And by the way, we had like I mean he, they're they're handing out paychecks to young kids effectively who didn't know anything and getting like six figures, a bloated payroll. I mean, I don't know what this guy was thinking. There is a funny story in the book also. Two of the heroes in the book, Corey Lewandowski and Dave Bothy, have a, a confrontation with Jared uh, because Jared keeps going into the boss and adding like six or seven points to whatever the poll numbers were, giving him a rosy scenario, wow. making us complacent. And it, it was just, just wrong. And Jared, look, he, he's taken himself out of being in the White House again, so we don't have to worry about that. Because what did he do, Brian? You know what he's doing now? He cashed in on everybody put on his like virtual Rolodex now. He's raising a bunch of money and, and, and making money. Him and Mnuchin, that's what they did. They were there as entrepreneurs. Use, they were grifters, and, and they used the process, and now they're prospering. They got more money than both of us will ever see in our lifetime. Uh, but, but boy, both of them did damage to this country and the boss. So, Peter, tell us about your situation, because before the release of your, your book this week, I mean, the last we heard of you, uh, you're, you're the latest getting the sharp end of the uh, the federal stick. What's what's going on yeah. with your situation? <laughs> uh, more like leg irons uh, and solitary <laughs> confinement in jail. You know what's funny, uh, Brian, in, in a darkly comma Kafka-esque way, is as I sit here talking with you, I'm looking out my window at both the Justice Department and the FBI, which is a field gold away. For your listeners, they don't know this. Um, the Jan 6 committee subpoenaed me. Donald Trump invoked what's called executive privilege. It was not my privilege to waive. I asked the committee to go ahead and negotiate a waiver of privilege so I could cooperate with them. They wouldn't make the call, nor would the Justice Department. The only call they made was on me going to the airport. I get to Reagan. They let me sit there for an hour, take me in a jetway with five armed agents for a misdemeanor. Rather than calling me like you're supposed to with a voluntary surrender, it should have been pro forma. But my raid <clears throat> was effectively the canary in the coal mine for what they did to the boss at Mar-a-Lago. It's like this bullying, coercive tactics uh, of this this administration. And this, I get back you know, the, the book taking back Trump's America. It, it 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 is a mission. We have got, we we have got to take back Trump's America. And, and, and trade it off, get the Biden America the hell out of here. Because, look, the stock market today, I don't know if you noticed it, uh, it's just, yep. again, another down day. I predicted, I'm a macroeconomist by training, I forecast back in November when the Dow was 36,000 that that thing was going down, not up. And what, it's going to break 30,000. It's going to see 25,000 before it sees 40 because we've got stagflation, which is the product is the product of Biden's policies and Jerome Powell. And a, there's a chapter in Taking Back Trump's America where, in, check, check this out, Brian, in May of 2020, while I was still in the White House, I wrote a memo to the president and Meadows, the chief of staff, warning of stagflation, the kind that could come because of the structural changes being brought about by the pandemic 
and by the forces arrayed uh, against this, including the Democrats' propensity to spend too much money, tasting too few goods, and cause inflation. And lo and behold, Biden gets in there, dismantles everything Trump holds dear in terms of policy, uh, to, to, whether it's some taxes, deregulation. I mean, we had, Brian, we had strategic energy dominance. We were an energy exporter. And now we're begging the Russians, OPEC, and the Saudis for oil, and, and people can't afford to eat. That's it's been a rude America. awakening, Take no question. America. No question. It's yeah. been a rude awakening for the entire country, and we got to hope that their eyes are open, along with 40-year high inflation, that, hey, you know what? Those Trump tweets maybe weren't so bad. Uh, Peter, absolute pleasure talking with you. I know you'll do great with the book, and I hope that our former president takes your advice. Brian, I can't thank you enough for having me on the Mark Levin, The Great One Show. And uh, I hope we'll do it again sometime. But it's great meeting you. We, we haven't Sounds done good. this before, but uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, sir. Yeah, likewise. Again, Peter's book, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House, How We'll Win It Back. I'm Brian Mudd, and for The Great One. Mark Levin. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals, and listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. If you have been to Florida any time in the last two years, the pandemic was over two years ago in Florida. It's still going on in the minds of Democrats. <laughs> yeah, Senator Rand Paul right on point, something that made reference to earlier. The one thing Biden got right recently, that yes, the pandemic is over. And in a state like mine, it has been for about two years or for anybody else about the time that you took your mask off, according to the way the president of the United States laid it out. Hey, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And speaking of my state of Florida, but it could be about your state, too. Got a bunch of states that are considering this across the country. I have a selfish, semi-selfish request as we conclude tonight. There are not many pieces of legislation that are truly bipartisan. There are... Many fewer things that almost all of us agree on. And we've got one of those. Do you hate time changes? There is what's called the Sunshine Protection Act. 
Now, back in my state, 2017, then-Governor Rick Scott signed it into law, and it would leave us in a daylight saving time. Whatever the heck your state does, honestly, I'm not too concerned with it, but whatever you want, make it happen. The problem is, it requires a literal act of Congress. Federal government has to recognize a state's desire not to change time. Year after year, Senator Rubio would propose this thing. And then when Rick Scott joined him in the Senate, every year, it would go nowhere in the Senate. This year, unanimous consent in the United States Senate. Right now, it's stuck in the House. And even Nancy Pelosi said she would support it. But we got to take it to a vote. Hit up your congressman. Hit up your House rep. Tell them you want the Sunshine Protection Act. And say no to time changes. Have a great night. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin, been a pleasure.